Chapter Three of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katie Gibney. Bunyip Land by George Manville Fenn. Chapter Three: How I Made My First Charge with a Lance. We had not been a day at sea before our black follower was in trouble. As a matter of course, the men began joking and teasing him about the awkward manner in which he wore his sailor's suit, asking him if it wouldn't be better to have a coat of white paint over him instead, as being cooler and less trouble, and the like. All this Jimmy took with the greatest of equanimity, grasping the men's meaning very well, and very often throwing himself flat on the deck and squirming about, which was his way of showing his delight. But it was absolutely necessary that all this banter should come from the Englishmen. If one of the Malay sailors attempted such a familiarity, Jimmy was furious. "Hi, wup wup!" he exclaimed to me after one of these bouts. "Dirty fellow, brown fellow, no good. Not white fellow, not black fellow. Bad for nothing." One afternoon, the doctor and I were sitting forward, watching the beautiful heaving waves, and talking over the plans we intended to follow when we landed. And we had agreed that a small party was far more likely to succeed than a large one, being more suitable for passing unnoticed through the country. We had just arrived at the point of determining that we would engage six natives at a friendly shore village, to carry our baggage and act as guides. When the noise of some trouble aft arose, and we turned to see a Malay sailor lying upon the deck, and Jimmy showing his teeth fiercely. Waddy in hand, after having given the man what he afterward called a topper on de headums, we ran up, fearing more mischief, for Jimmy could fight fiercely when roused, and we were just in time. For as the doctor reached the melee, the man had scrambled up, drawn his knife, and rushed at the black. But before he could strike, the doctor showed me what wonderful strength of arm he possessed by seizing the melee by the waistband and arm, and literally swinging him over the low bulwark into the sea. That will cool his passion," said the doctor, smiling. "I'm sorry I did it, though, Captain," he said the next minute. "These men are very revengeful." "Too late to say that," cried the captain roughly. "Here, hi, man overboard! Never mind the boat; he swims like a fish." This was plain enough, for the Malay was making his way swiftly through the water, and the captain ran aft with a coil of rope to throw to him from the stern. I ran too, and could see that as the man struck the water in a peculiar fashion, he held his knife open in his hand and was thinking whether he would use it when the captain threw the rope. The light rings uncoiling as they flew through the air and splashed the water. Here, look out! cried the captain. But the man did not heed, but began to beat the water furiously, uttering a strange gasping cry. Look, doctor! I cried, pointing and leaning forward. A low hiss escaped his lips. As he too saw a dull, indistinct something rising through the transparent sea, yah hi, bunyip debble fis! Shouted Jimmy excitedly. Bite sailor, brown fellow, who bite? The black gave a snap and a shake of the head, and then taking the long, sharp knife the doctor had given him from his belt, he tore off his shirt and, it seemed to me, jumped out of his trousers. Then the sun seemed to flash from his shiny black skin for an instant. And he plunged into the sea. The exciting incidents of that scene are as plain before me now. I write as if they had taken place yesterday. I saw the body of the black strike up a foam of white water and then glide down in a curve in the sunlit sea, 
plainly crossing the course of the great fish, which had altered its course on becoming aware of the second splash. The melee knew what he was doing, for ignoring the help of the rope he allowed himself to drift astern, seeing as he did that the shark's attention had been drawn to the black. "'He knows what he's about,' said the captain. "'If he laid hold of that there rope, and we tried to draw him aboard, that snipper-jack would take him like a perch does a worm in the old ponds at home. Here, lower away that boat, and I'll go and get the whale-lance.' Away went the skipper, while the men lowered the boat. And I was so intent upon the movements of the great fish that I started as the boat kissed the water with a splash. The shark was about ten feet long, and unusually thick, and as it kept just below the surface the doctor and I could watch its every movement, guided by the strange but slow wave of the long, curiously lobed tail. "'Now, you brown fellow, you come on. Knife, knife!' As Jimmy shouted out these words, he raised himself in the water and curved over like a porpoise, diving right down, and at the same moment the shark gave a sweep with its tail, the combined disturbance making so great an eddy that it was impossible to see what took place beneath the surface. Then all at once there was a horrible discoloration in the sea, and I drew back, holding on by the bulwarks with both hands, to keep myself from falling. For, as the water grew discolored, so did the air seem to glow before my eyes. I was sick and dizzy, the deck seemed to rise in waves, and a curious kind of singing noise in my ears made everything sound distant and strange. There was a strange despairing feeling, too, in my heart, and my breath came thick and short, till I was brought partly to myself by hearing a voice shouting for a rope, and then the mist gradually cleared away, and I became aware of the fact that the boat was moving before me, and that the round, shiny black face of Jimmy was close at hand. A few minutes later both Jimmy and the melee were aboard, the former throwing himself flat on his back to rest, for he was panting heavily after his exertions. "'Big bunyip debble, Mass Joe,' he sputtered. "'Swim more stronger, Jimmy, but no got knife. "'Tick black fellow knife in em lot of time. "'Tick it in him frontums, tick it in em's backums tight, "'and make em dive down and take Jimmy much long ways.' "'Why didn't you leave go of the knife, my man?' asked the doctor. "'Leave go dat big new knife?' cried Jimmy sharply. "'Let bunyip fish have dat new knife?' Jimmy did not finish, but shook his head from side to side, so that first one black ear went into the puddle of water on the deck, then the other, while his lips parted in a tremendously long grin, which seemed to say, Black fellow knows better than to do such a stupid thing as that. Then, as if made of India rubber, Jimmy drew his heels in, gave a spring, and leaped to his feet, running to the side and then throwing up his arms with delight. Dear um is, Mass Joe! "'Turn up him under frontums like fish on hook and line.' "'For there was the monster making an effort to keep in its normal position "'as it swam slowly round and round, "'but always rolling back and rising helplessly every time it tried to dive. "'Jimmy, sorry for you,' cried the black. "'Plenty good to eat like much muttons. "'Go down boat, bring him board.' "'Well, I don't know about good meat, Blackie.' "'But we may as well have his head to boil out his jaws,' said the captain, who was standing looking on, whale-lance in hand. "'Go down and put him out of his misery, captain,' I said, "'and take me, too.' "'Oh, all right, my lad,' he said, laughing. "'You may do the job, if you like.' "'May I?' "'To be sure,' he said, and I jumped down into the boat, after he had lowered himself, bare fashion, 
onto one of the thwarts. "'Here, send out one of the sailors,' said the doctor. "'I'll go, too.' One of the men returned to the deck, looking rather glum, and the doctor took his place, while I sympathized with that sailor and wished that the doctor had not spoken, for I felt sure that he had come down into the boat to take care of me, and it made me feel young and childish. But I did not show my annoyance, I am glad to say, and a minute later the men gave way and the boat glided slowly toward where the shark had drifted, I all the while standing up in the bows, lance in hand, full of the desire to make use of it, and feeling a cruel, half-savage sensation that it would be exceedingly pleasant to drive that lance right home. "'Now, my water, St. George the Second, cried the doctor banteringly, "'mind you slay the sea-dragon.' "'Mind what you're after, youngster,' said the captain. "'Give it him close below the gills, a good dig, and then draw back sharp.' "'All right,' I cried back to the captain, for I was offended by the doctor's chaff. It made me feel small before the men. Then, recalling what I had read that a harpooner would do under such circumstances, I shouted, "'Give way, boys!' I'd have given something to have been back on board the schooner just then, for a roar of laughter greeted my command, and I felt that I was very young, and had made myself rather ridiculous, while to add to my discomfiture, the men obeyed my order with such energy that the boat gave a jerk, and I was nearly sent back in a sitting position on the foremost man. There was another laugh at this, and the doctor said dryly, "'No, no, my lad, the lance is for the shark, not for us.' I recovered my balance without a word, and planting my feet firmly wide apart, remained silent and looking very red, while I held my weapon ready. It was an old rusty affair, with a stiff pole about eight feet long, and was used by the captain for killing those curious creatures, which no doubt gave rise to the idea of there being such things as tritons, or mermen, I mean the manatees, or dugongs, that in those days used to swarm in the warmer waters of the eastern Australian coast. "'Keep it up, my lads. Pull,' said the captain, who had an oar over the stern to steer. "'We must get back soon.' I thought this was because the shark, which had ceased to swim round and round, was now laboriously making its way with the current at the rate of pretty well two miles an hour. But as the captain spoke, I could see that he was scanning the horizon, and I heard the doctor ask if anything was wrong. "'Looks dirty,' he growled and I remember wondering, half laughingly, whether a good shower would not wash it clean, when the skipper went on. "'Gets one of them storms now and then, bout here. Now, my lads, with a will!' The water surged and rattled beneath my feet, and I was forgetting my annoyance and beginning to enjoy the excitement of my ride. And all the more that the shark had once more stopped in its steady flight, and was showing its white underparts some fifty yards away. "'Ready, my lad,' cried the captain. "'I'll steer you close in. "'Give it him deep, and draw back sharp.' "'I nodded, and held the lance ready poised "'as we drew nearer and nearer, "'and I was ready with set teeth "'and every nerve tingling to deliver the thrust, "'when whish! Splash! "'The brute gave its tail a tremendous lash "'and darted away, "'swimming along with its back fin plowing the water, "'and apparently as strong as ever.' "'Only his flurry, my lad. Pull away, boys. We'll soon have him now.' The men rowed hard, and the boat danced over the swell, rising up one slope, gliding down another, or so it seemed to me. "'He'll turn up the white directly,' cried the captain. "'Take it coolly, and you'll have him. I'll put you close alongside, and don't you miss.' 
"'Not I, sir,' I shouted without turning my head, "'for it seemed such a very easy task. "'And away we went once more, getting nearer and nearer, "'till the back fin went out of sight, came up again, "'went out of sight the other way, "'and then there was the shining white skin glistening in the sun. "'There was another swirl, and the shark made a fresh effort, "'but this time it was weaker, and the boat gained upon it fast. "'Now, boys, pull hard, and when I say, in oars, "'Stop, and we'll run close up without scaring the beggar. "'Pull, pull, 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 now, in oars!' "'The men ceased rowing, and the boat glided on from the impetus previously given, "'and I was just about to deliver a thrust when the wounded creature saw its enemy, "'and as if its strength had been renewed, went off again with a dart. "'Look at that!' cried the captain. "'Never mind, he's not going to get away. We'll have him yet.' "'We seem to be getting a long way from the schooner,' I heard the doctor say, "'and I turned round upon him quite angrily. "'Oh!' I cried, "'don't stop. We nearly had him that time.' "'Well, you shall have another try, my boy,' said the captain. "'Pull away.' "'We were going pretty fast all the time, "'and again and again we drew near, but always to be disappointed, "'and I stamped my foot with anger as, every time, the brute darted off, "'leaving us easily behind.' "'Better let me have the lance, Joe,' said the doctor, smiling. "'No, no,' I cried. "'I must have a try now.' "'Let him be,' growled the captain. "'Nobody couldn't have lanced him if he'd tried. "'Now look out, lad. "'Steady, boys. "'In oars. "'Let's go up more softly. "'That's the style. "'We shall have him this time. "'Now you have him, lad. "'Give it him. "'Deep.' "'All these words came in a low tone of voice "'as the boat glided nearer and nearer "'to where the shark was swimming slowly and waveringly to and fro. "'And in my excitement I drew back, raising the lance high, "'and just as the monster was about to dash off in a fresh direction, "'I threw myself forward, driving the point of the lance "'right into the soft flesh, forgetful of my instructions "'about a sharp thrust and return, "'for the keen lance point must have gone right through.' and before I realized what was the matter, I was snatched out of the boat. There was a splash, the noise of water thundering, a strangling sensation in my nostrils and throat, and I was being carried down with a fierce rush into the depths of the sea. End of chapter 3